It's episode three of Studs Up, brought to you by Ozchecker and Skybet, as we count down to the Cheltenham Festival, bringing the world of football and racing together. And in a few moments' time, we'll introduce you to our latest guest, a star name in the world of football, who's got a strong passion for racing. But as always, I'm joined by my Studs Up strike partner, Mr. Charlie Austin. Chaz, big win for QPR again. You're on a roll, mate. Big win, mate. Thanks for that. Big win, four out of five. One nil win, solid at home. And look, we've got a big couple of games coming up. Busy end to the month. But look, we're on a bit of a roll and going in the right direction. Confidence must be sky high there at the moment. Sky high, mate. Four wins out of five, especially when you look back at the, the 10 fixtures previously. You know, it was four, four draws, six losses. And we was in the right, a bit of a pickle. So look, it's Good start for the club, like I say, but we just need to keep going forward. Um, once again, you were on TalkSport um, giving some incredible sound bites that have been picked up in the newspapers. So you clearly haven't listened to anything I've said about that in the past. But um, you were on with Sean Dyche, actually, weren't you? Yeah, I can only apologise again for that. I am learning, <laughs> trust me, I am learning. I was on with Sean Dyche, my old gaffer. It was good to speak to him, can see that he hasn't changed much and you can see how his principles have stuck the same from the moment he first came to the club and probably to where they are now. And that takes us nicely, Mr Bell, on to our guest for this episode. Yeah, you're getting very good at this presenting malarkey. Um, Sorry, mate. Which is, which is good to see. No, you're right. It links us very nicely into our star guest this week. And I have to say, um, I knew it before, but I, it sort of reaffirmed my opinion that this man is the nicest man in football because I'm going to take you behind the fourth wall now, ladies and gentlemen, who are listening to Studs Up and watching it today because our guest uh, has got a, a terrific CV, but he's, he's gone above and beyond to be with us here on studs up we we know it's a pandemic and things are very different we're working remotely but jack cork has kicked his kids out of the kitchen he's set up his laptop or his desktop in his in his kitchen <laughs> so he can be with us he's tried working it from a barn corky i can't thank you enough for the efforts you've gone to be with us tonight thank you so much i, I hope that you're not bored of us already it's okay uh hi, Ollie. Hi, Chaz. You're right. um yeah, it's just, sorry, it took about an hour and 45 minutes to get this all sorted, isn't it? On laptops, the iPads, the Macs, to get my, I think we ended up kicking my family out into the other room. <laughs> we all had to get out the kids, the, the wife, everyone, and I've, had, I've just ordered a Domino's now to keep them happy, so hopefully it won't be in too bad a mood with me. Well, listen, um, it is difficult times for everyone, given we're working remotely, so we, we totally understand. And you have definitely earned the title of nicest man in football because you haven't painted even half the picture there. You've literally uprooted house and home. You've taken us on a crib-style tour of the court mansion. <laughs> uh, but we thoroughly appreciate your efforts, and I'm really looking forward to discussing what has been an excellent career, but also your your huge love of racing. I know you're really keen on this sport, but before we get into the racing side of things, did you two lads, because obviously you're at Burnley now, but you were at Burnley briefly, Chaz. Jack, did you play with Charlie? Yeah, we. I think we had about six months together, I think. Um, I think it was a time when Brian Laws um, was in charge. I think he might have just, just got the sack, actually. And I think, I'm not sure if Brian bought Chaz in or Eddie bought Chaz in, but uh, I think he bought you in at the same time, didn't he, Chaz? Yeah, Eddie took, I've come with Eddie Howe as his first signing, me and Marvin Bartley, but it was kind of a, a good time to come because the club was in transition, but it was a tough one because you had the older players there who was obviously brought in by Brian Laws, and then Eddie was trying to change the club in a different direction. So it was it was just in one of them big transition modes, wasn't it? 
Yeah, I think he, he was he was trying to sort of change it so he could work with younger players, wasn't he? And we had a lot of older players like Graham Alexander, Clark Carlisle, Wade Elliott, great players, really good players, great history with a football club. And I, I think Eddie just wanted to take it a different direction. And it, it, I'm not sure how it affected Eddie's ch- reign in charge at the time. But yeah, it, was, it must have been difficult for you coming in with that new manager with those older players that probably weren't happy with how the club was changing. Yeah, and I think, do you know what? I think he found it tough for six months, the first six months that he was there, Corky. I also found it tough, like settling in, moving. As you know, moving is a big thing as a footballer, isn't it? I moved from mm-hmm. south right up to north the first time. Um, but do you know what I mean? The older players mm-hmm. kind of run the football club, which is a good thing in a way. But when a new manager comes in, mm-hmm. if you don't buy into the new manager's ways, you soon be out. And I think as soon as we got over these six, that second half of the season, the club moved in the right direction. Yeah, uh, the way I, I think Eddie looked here, that he wanted to bring in younger players that he had, he could not control, but just you know what I mean, have bigger influence on, and uh, and then and uh, and do that. So uh, now, listen, we we asked Ali McCoist about any um, any screamers that he scored. I don't suppose Charlie, you remember Jack scoring any screamers in your time at Burnley, do you? I don't. <laughs> I've got to be sorry, Corky. I don't remember any screamers he scored, right? But I do remember playing Preston away and Mr. Cork scoring the winner. A back, I'm sure it was like a back post header or something in front of the away fans. All three points of glory, man. Cork gets the winner. <laughs> yeah, one of not many I scored, was it? But the whole, the whole far end had been packed up, didn't it? Full of Burnley fans. There weren't many Preston fans, but it was right in front of them, wasn't it? It was a great... Great moment coming across five minutes to go and, and get the winning goal, wasn't it? Yeah, massive, mate. Do you know what? It's a big three points there. But that was one talking point, you scoring the winner. But I think for the next five minutes, what went on after the game, that was a big, a big, big eye-opener for me, <laughs> being like a 21-year-old. Do you are know we... a Big eye-opener the next minute happened. So you remember that? Are we talking about that, are we? Yeah, of course we are. I'll go with it. I'll tell him. So the game finishes. And oh, been... You want to go? No, you go. Go on. I'll let you go. You're the guest. You know, Chris Eagle was a great player. Flairy, good on the ball. A little bit of a wind-up. And I think he dives over in the, by the touchline where the, where the manager is. And David Unsworth says something like, get up, Chris, or something like that. And I think in different words. So Chris, Chris being Chris, says, oh, I'll see you in the tunnel. And he didn't realise he's talking to David Unsworth, who's six foot two, six foot three. And and I don't think David Unsworth forgot it. So the game played on. We scored the winner. The game finished. And we're all celebrating with the fans. All the Preston guys have gone in. All Deepdale lot have gone in. All the Deepdale fans have gone. It's just us and the Burnley fans. And I see Chris Eagles looking a little bit sheepish. A little bit a little bit like a ghost in his face. So like we walk over and we walk towards the tunnel. And David Unsworth stood there with his arms crossed by the tunnel. He was, I'm not sure, he was six foot two. He looked about six foot five the way he was stood there looking at Chris. And uh, I see Chris Eagles sort of move slowly behind Chris Iwalumo and, and uh, Clark Carlisle trying to sneak down the tunnel. And, and David Unsworth didn't forget it. So as Chris has gone in, hidden, hidden behind these two big lads, David Unsworth <laughs> got onto it. He didn't forget that he said he'd see him after. And Chris tried to get out of the way. And it's all kicked off. It's all rumbling. Like, you know, the, t- the tunnel was shaking, wasn't it? And I think someone picked oh. up a steward at some stage or something. It was, it was crazy, wasn't it? Mate, I'll tell you what, it was the most surreal thing. People have been to Preston uh, to deep down before. See, the tunnel is so tiny, mate. And I promise you, there must be 25 <laughs> players, staff and stewards, 
mate, the thing was rocking side <laughs> to side. It was so, ah, oh, Al Chris Eagles got away with that. How he got out of there with no slap, I don't know, mate. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I wasn't allowed to try to stay out of it, I think, mate. There's some big lads flying around in there. <laughs> Sounds like a bouncy castle, the tunnel. Uh, that's tremendous. Um, the point that I guess Charlie made um, and has made on this podcast before is, is something that actually I think a lot of people who aren't in the world of football don't really understand. And that is when you're a young player coming through and you're being shipped out on loan quite a lot, because you were at Chelsea for a long time, Jack, and you had, a, I think it's eight loan spells with six different clubs, but you're a young man, obviously trying to enjoy life as well. And you're going from place to place living out of suitcases i imagine like how difficult is that just from a sort of practical sense yeah it's, it's not too bad really i mean when you're 17 18 19 you have no real responsibilities i didn't have a wife or children or anything like that and my goal throughout my whole career was to be a professional footballer i wanted to be doing that i wanted that life i mean i didn't have university or anything i need to study for where i had to do that and make that sacrifice so this was my goal this is my dream and the only way i could get that was from going alone. I couldn't wait and wait while the first team went to put young players in because it wasn't happening. Managers were chopping, changing, in and out, and there was no chance for young lads. So uh, the only route that we had there was to go alone, and, and that was what I did. And I had to just deal with the fact that I'd be on my own going from club to club, and, and, and I loved it. So, Yeah, Corky, you obviously talk about going on loan, and did you find that just give you the stepping stone going forward, the experience clocking up the games? Because like you say, you was at Chelsea, and you weren't getting a lot of opportunity there. So going away, clocking up 50, 100 games like for the back of the career into the championship, et cetera, et cetera, like that must have helped you going forward on to be the player that you are now. Yeah, it's difficult because you can wait around in that Chelsea bubble and, and it's got even worse over the years. Not worse because it's a good club to be at as a young person. I mean, it's the, you get to learn from some of the best players and best players in the world, especially when I was there, they were winning everything. So it's great that, but you're never going to get that experience. You know what it's like. You go on loan, you play against men. There's a lot on the line. There's a lot. They, they need to win games. And you only really get that from, from doing that. I mean, and I remember we went, I played against Liverpool for Burnley. And I remember we, we, we played against Steven Gerrard. And I remember just being like a little bit in awe of him. And it, he just smashed me in a tackle. Like, and I remember thinking, Jesus, if, I, if I've got to be, if I want to aim for that level and, and be that sort of player, I've got to be nasty. I've got to be aggressive as well as trying to. I can't let these these people be like above me. Do you know what I mean, you have to. You can only learn that from competitive environment. And when you were at Chelsea, Mourinho was there and things like that. And even though you're training with world class players, you can't replicate what you need to learn in a game in a match environment like you had in that time. Yeah, it was more me watching them. I I, I didn't really train with them too much. I mean, I'd go away. In, in the, I trained with them a little bit in pre-season and I'd be shipped out on loan. I, I went to Bournemouth first, went to Scunthorpe, Coventry, Watford, all these places. I'd come back in January sometimes for a week and I'd be off again. The only thing I could really learn from was from watching them, watch how they train, watch how they were off the pitch and what they did to, to improve themselves and, and to, to, to make them at that top level. And it was, it was, it was a good thing to be able to see. Yeah, and Corky, when you went, to, went on them pre-season tours... What, who was the like? Who was the person you kind of looked up to and like see doing a little bit extra in football? If he's doing that, I need to do that. I need to do that and a little bit more. There was a lot of them at the time. Actually, there was John Terry, Ashley Cole, a large British group of players that were successful at the time. But the one that stuck out for me 
was was Frank Lamp Frank Lampard really. He was, I know everyone says it, but he was outside shooting all the time and he was doing eighteen yard box to eighteen yard box whenever he whenever he could really. And we were watching that. And he I think he wrote a book once or did an article once saying that the young lads these days have got it too easy. They come in with their wash bags, they come with their their, their, their new cars, their flash things, and it hurt a lot of our youth team at the time. We had a good youth team. We had me, like Ryan Bertrand, you know, Scott Sinclair, Miracle Stock. Sam Ashton, Liam Bricker, all all good players, good pros, and and I think him saying that made us angry and want us to prove him wrong. Do you know what I mean? We 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 didn't want that associated with us, and it was, I think he sort of spurred a lot of us on, really. So, do, do you, your dad, your old man, was Alan Cork, who obviously was part of the Crazy Gang and, and things like that. Do you, hmm. you talk about the young players coming through? I mean, this is what ten years ago that we're talking when Frank would have written that article, and and yeah. if you go back to your dad's day, I'm, I'm almost certain that. Uh, it would have been a bit different to how it is in your day. But do you think nowadays in 2021, as we are, that, that young players coming through, are you now in a position where you look at it and think the young players coming through have it easy? Or, or is there still that drive and that fight and that sort of um, Corinthian spirit to a certain extent that you want to see from young young footballers coming through? Yeah, it's, well, obviously my dad's day was completely different. I mean, they would have chased people through forests and stuff like that. <laughs> one story where they'd chase the young lads, they'd hit a bell and they got to chase them and they got whoever gets hit, found first, gets jumped on by. I don't know, it was a strange time when he was part of the crazy gang and all that stuff. But I think gradually, 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 it's, it's lost that sort of thing. And and now, especially with the move from under-18 football, there's no, there's no reserve team league anymore. It's the 23s league. So you can have... 22, 23 year olds that have never played a game of football for in, the, in in their life, never played a professional game of football, and they're waiting. I mean, me and you, Chaz, probably got opportunities at 17, 18, and it's very rare now that people are going to get games at that age because bigger clubs are stockpiling players at an older age. So and it's going to reduce their careers because they're going to be starting at 23, and what they're going to end at 30, 31 years old. Do you know what I mean? It's, 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 it's different now, it's, it's completely different. And the one I agree with you there, mate, is where they're stockpiling the players, right? But they don't allow them to go out on loan because they don't want the other teams mm. to see what they've got in behind. So obviously, you see Chelsea's their prime example. They send all their players abroad, do you know what I mean? But what happens? Then they get to like 22, 23. They get released, Corky. Then, then you've got a player that's 22, 23, that's played single figures league games. Do you know what I mean? That's, that's not going to work for nobody, is it? Do you know what I mean? So I think that system and that, that way it is, how the game's evolved, it's not really helping the younger players. No, I, I totally agree with you, Chaz. It's, 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 it's different. With the, the opportunity is so limited. And when they've got to 23 years old, all they've done is football and they probably haven't worked on too much on qualifications or anything outside football. It's, it's a tough world to be in at 23, 24. And all you've wanted to be is a footballer and you suddenly you're let go from one of these clubs. It's, it's difficult. One thing, um, when I was going through the nicest man in football, Jack Cork's fact file, I saw that actually in 2012, you played at the London Olympics for Team GB. Could you just um, tell us about what that experience was like? It was amazing to be a part of it as a fan, but what was it like to be involved in the Olympics? Yeah, it was, I, I, honestly, I, people ask me sometimes, I, I don't have the words for it. It was just such a shock. And it was just went so fast. It's just it was just amazing, like going to that Olympic Village, seeing all the other athletes, traveling from Old Trafford to Millennium Stadium to Wembley, playing these teams, seeing all these athletes. It was, honestly, I can't, I can't, I don't have the words to explain how good it was. It was, it was such a good experience, and I'm so proud that I was, I was, I was allowed to be part of that. 
Yeah, I was going to say, mate, you must be so proud to be a part of that because not many footballers mate, can say they played for Team GB. Do you know what I mean? At the Olympics, it must have been incredible. When you was in that village, did you see Usain Bolt? Yeah, we, we started walking. It was like a big food court and there was a, there was a McDonald's in there and everything. And you, know, you could see where it was because any time you walk past, the people just closing around the side of the NBA players as well. And it's just, everyone was just in, in awe of just all these players. It was, it was, it was amazing. If you asked me what athletes in the Olympic Village restaurant there would be there, the last thing I would say would be a McDonald's <laughs> in the food court. That, that, that must be for after the games. Um, that yeah, that that experience would have been incredible. Um, obviously, didn't go on to win a medal, but to be a part of London 2012, sensational. What about um, what about the other athletes? Were, were the, I, I guess there must have been a host of athletes that you admired that you would have met along the way. Did you stay in the village? Were you sleeping in the village and things like that? We um, we had two nights. I think Stuart Pearce wanted us away from the village a lot of the time. But that, I think that was mainly because we were moving around. I think a lot of the, the, the athletes were playing in the Olympic Stadium and we had to move from Manchester to Wales to, to all these different places. And it was... It was just we missed out on the best part of it, which was being in that village. I think I knew the new facilities, and then we uh, we did, we didn't get to experience too much of that. But it was it was a, a strange little village. It was it was all these elite athletes together. It was it was it was crazy. I've heard plenty of stories about what goes on in the Olympic village. So probably a wise move from Stuart Pearce, to be fair. <laughs> um, do you still have the uh, the kits and things? Do you still have the Team GB shirt? Have you framed them or something? Are they on the sort of on your on your memento wall no yeah you've seen my memento wall. there's not much stuff hung up in my house so you know that um but uh there's like uh there's literally just they're in a drawer somewhere it's all i've got all the we got given like suits to wear for the opening ceremony the kits they've got i've got like we all got like a little uh number on a on a little uh badge thing and uh, yeah i've kept it always all in a drawer somewhere but it's not hung up and just on that, because I have seen Jack's sort of trophy cabinet. I say it's Jack's trophy cabinet. We did something for ITV Racing in the social stable. Jack very kindly came on. And, and the director of ITV, Paul McNamara, is a massive Southampton fan, as is Ed Chamberlain. And so we get Jack on and they were, they were buzzing to, to, to meet Jack and what have you. And we, we go on the Zooms and behind him is just this like, it's laden with trophies. And I said to Jack, I think on air or off air, I said, oh, talk us through the trophies. And they were all your 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 children or your your wife, your partners, um, rosettes from Pony Club and stuff, weren't they? None of them were football trophies at all. <laughs> no, the the whole. The, I wish I could be in that room now, but it's just the whole trophy is just rosettes from different like different horse shows that she's done. Or we have an event horse with Ben Obdale. He's, he's done quite well as like a five year old, and they all take up the middle. And if you look at the top corner, it's just. The, Couple of man of match awards and my England cap stuffed right in the top corner. <laughs> Nowhere you stand. Right, I, I, I want to talk because last week we we spoke about the Sean Dyche um, lookalike press conference and Charlie got his lookalike wrong. Chaz, what were you on about? You got the Chris, wrong head. Well, I was meant Chris and I went to him. However, the feedback I had million dollars, mate. Don't mess about. <laughs> Also, what about, before you go on about, what about the new post on Instagram, me in the dressing gown, holding the white wine there? Oh, anyone would think, anyone think I'd either advertise in a wine connoisseur or just showing how good that that dressing gown looked on me. (laughs) 
if you if you haven't seen it, Corky, I strongly advise that you do not go on Instagram to look at it. It's it's right. a, it's not something you want to see on a on a morning. Uh, but um, I want to I want to ask you about. <laughs> have you seen it? Yeah, I saw it. Yeah, I was, I was going to bring that up in this podcast. Actually. <laughs> I don't know who thinks he thinks he's like a god. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing, mate? Oh, I swear, mate. What are you doing that for? Are you putting that up? I'm not joking. You can see the lady coming. Obviously, poured the poured the wine. Yeah, I'm not joking. You can imagine. Obviously, people listen now. I was I had it going. I was swirling it. Then I had the cheek to go and give it a big <laughs> sniff. I had the cheek to give it a big sniff. <sighs> and I turned around to a lady and went, so "I can't smell that. I got a cold." <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, we've got a WhatsApp group and uh, for, for studs up and it got sent out there and I honestly thought he was joking but he wasn't and he got a lot of comments annoyingly but so did, the Chris Hemsworth got a lot of traction as well I got Deirdre Barlow that's what I got as my look like anyway <laughs> moving on what is <laughs> that was done by the studs up team as well correct you know who your friends are what is um what is Sean Dyche like to play under because all the reports I've heard is is very positive about him yeah, he is what he is. I think what you see is what you get with him. He's no nonsense. He's he's organised. He wants a certain standards from you all the time, and, and he will not let that slip. I mean, we had we had a game against Brighton the other day, and the standards were were low. We we had a, a lot of possession, but it was nothing. Nothing uh, came to nothing a lot of times. So we came up. He came in second at half time and said, "Look, the tempo needs to be up. You know your normal standards. You've got to get you got to get back to it." And, you know, we we all went out and each each of us put in that little extra bit from that team talk and, and we ended up scoring a goal in the second half and nearly winning the game and he has that influence you know you can't you can't let it slip you can't let the standards drop and, 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 and that is that Do team talks this might seem like a really stupid question for a non-footballer but do team talks actually make a difference? Yeah I think they do I, I don't know about you Chaz but I I think you come in and you, you know what you've done wrong and, and some t- some people react differently to different ways of speaking in the change room. I mean, some people you can't shout at them, you can't scream at them, they don't react to it well. Some people, if you tell them they're doing it in a, in an aggressive way and 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 get onto them, they'll think, "Come on, I need to do better." Here. I think that comes down to the manager knowing the type of player, and I think that's what our manager does really well. He he knows who reacts best to what sort of criticism and how they can improve from that. And I think Corky, I agree with you hundred percent there because especially how the game's gone now, mate. Like the, you've got to check every person, every teammate is is different. Like you can get on each other's back, and everyone goes. Some people go in their own little shell, and then don't react to criticism. Others are better to like one on one talking. But ultimately, you know, as a player, if you're coming off, if you're coming off at half time, and your your team's been crap, you know you're getting a bollocking from the manager. It's as simple as that. Yeah, some, sometimes if you've been dragged at half time, I don't think you necessarily need a, a rollicking. <laughs> I think you know you've had a nightmare. But, um, yeah, I, I, I do get what you're saying. Uh, the final, th- the final question about your career that I want to ask is is obviously getting your England cap. I, clearly, it doesn't take pride of place in your home, given what you were saying earlier. But just as an achievement, when you were going out on loan and all this sort of the, the drive and ambition you had as a young lad to make it as a footballer, just how proud a moment was that for you and your family? Yeah, it was it was amazing, a great moment in, in my career, and it just I was just really grateful that Southgate gave me the opportunity. I think I was twenty eight, twenty nine years old, and he picked me. We were we were I think we were fourth in the league or something like that, and and he, he always said that he was going to pick people on on how they were doing at a time and form at a time. And I didn't believe it, and a few midfielders pulled out, and I thought maybe I've got a chance, but I didn't really think I did. And 
you know, he, he he stuck to his word, and I was I was doing really well at the time, and put me in the squad, and 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 it was it was an amazing experience. I just maybe wish I could have had more opportunities to do. It. I think the form of our form sort of drip dropped a little bit towards the back end of the season, and and we had to be playing well at Burnley. We had to you have to be doing well to to get a chance if you want to be a Burnley player, get an England call up, and and we weren't consistent enough in the league. So no, I just I'm just grateful that he gave me an opportunity, and a little bit sad I didn't get another opportunity, but that's football. Is he um, is he a, an impressive manager? Southgate. Southgate, yeah, yeah, he was he was good with me, really welcoming. He had, he's got a good group together, a, a, a really good group that work hard and play play well. And yeah, he was really welcoming to me. He just said, "Look, I know you've done really well this season. Good chance for you to come and show yourself, enjoy yourself, make sure you you enjoy all of it." And I managed to get on against Germany for fifteen minutes, and I, 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 I touched the ball loads and and tried my hardest to do all I could, but. Um, yeah, it was, it was just a great moment. And finally on that, I think I try and relate to what you guys go through. And I think as fans, we all try and put ourselves in the shoes of footballers because that's kind of what we all want to be, essentially. But I suppose when I went from a smaller TV level to ITV, I was genuinely terrified the first few shows I did on ITV. Even though you've had years of experience playing football, for that 15 minutes, are you a lot more sort of tense nervous than you are normally yeah I'm, I don't know I, I used to get a little bit nervous when I was younger but now as I'm older I, I don't really feel it as much but that that 15 minutes of England and sitting on the bench waiting waiting hoping you get on I was I was quite nervous yeah it felt like I was a kid again I was, I'm not gonna lie it was it was amazing Wembley was four it was against Germany I didn't think I was gonna get on and I honestly I it felt like I was 16 years old again waiting to get on and trying to Try and you know, Chaz, when you're younger and you, you want to get on, you want to do all you can to try and to try and impress. And, and sometimes it's too much. You're too eager, and, and 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 I think that's that's how I was. I just so just wanted to get on so much and and get that cap and and improve myself. So. Yeah, well, mate, you got the cap. You got the cap, and it was well deserved, mate. And what I like about that is when you said, I think you've got to be picked. The international level for me is you have to pick the form players. And if you're in form, and like you said, mate, you was you was flying at the time, and and you deserved the cap, mate. Well done. Yeah, it's a, it's a tremendous career. It's um, it's it's one that um, I think is testament to real re- talent, obviously, but real hard work. So congratulations on what all, already is a great career, and will continue to be a great career, I'm sure. I do want to ask you about your love of, of racing now, because I know that's a real passion of yours. How did it all come about, the sort of interest in horse racing? Yeah, well, I, 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 when I was younger, I sort of, I'd lived quite close to Epsom. So we used to go to the Derby a lot, and I was in the same class and Scott, same same year, you know, Jack Mitchell, the jockey. So uh, it, was, it was nice. Were we, you? We, yeah, we, <laughs> we, we thought we, we had a winner in the Epsom, the Dash, the, the five furlong race, and he had a winner there, and we were all there. I think it was like a 30 yeah. to one winner. It was... It was a it was an amazing moment. A lot of people had bets on him and, and won, won a lot of money. It was, it was an amazing day. So that sort of started that. And then my dad's always been into the horses, being football. So he used to always send me the bookies and stuff like that. All the smoke pouring out and stuff like that. It was um, that. And then and then I met my wife, and she she's always loved horses. And and you you get a lot of bad advice, not bad advice. You get a lot of advice from especially nowadays on about against owning race horses and it's a waste of money and stuff like that. But I really wanted a hobby, something to do with my wife, and, and it started like that, really. We got a horse with Archie Watson, and uh, then we, I met Chris Wood at Burnley. He got a horse with Archie Watson, and then a few more of the boys started asking about it at the football club. So then we had 
Matt Lauter and Tarkovsky, Pope, Sam Vokes, um, all all interested in getting a horse. Then we ended up getting two. I mean, Archie Watson was a little bit too far away, based in Lambourne, for us to keep travelling. So we looked at local trainers nearby, and obviously Tom Dascombe, Michael Owens Yard. It was close, so we said, "Should we get a couple of horses? It'd be a nice thing for us when we all finish playing football. It'd be a nice thing we all have in common. We can all keep in contact, and we get to go down maybe every Wednesday, go to the yard, have some lunch, have a drink, be with, be with the wives we want. If not, we can have a drink with the boys." And it was just a, it was a, a great idea that we all did together, and it was um, yeah, it was it was it was it was good, and it still is, yeah. Yeah, Corky, when you say it like it was you and it, I've had horses and do you know what? It's so infectious, isn't it, mate? One rolls into two, two, three, four. Do you know what I mean? But you've done so well. Obviously, I've seen from afar, Burnley Group, I know we're going back to the team, but it's very close-knit. And for you then to get, obviously, falling it with Chris Wood and then to get five, six, seven of the lads into the into the involvement of owning races, racehorses, do you know what I mean? That just shows like the team spirit. Then it's a great day out for the lads and a great day out for the lads and the wives. That's what I found anyway, do you know what I mean? Yeah, we, we I think there's about nine of us here. We've got a horse this year, it's not done great, but he's, there's about nine of us involved in that. But the, 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 we had one great day. We had a, uh, one of the horses that we had with the five or six lads, the six lads, or six, uh, in that win at Chester. And we had all the, all the wives there, all the girlfriends, all the kids, they let us into the parade. They let us into the parade ring after we had. We watched it in the middle with uh, Kukash and uh, all them lot, and we 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 ended up going a bit mad. And uh, but uh, <laughs> it's just one of the things you can't help. It. it was our first winner as a big group, and we we were going mad. They they let us have a big picture with the horse and everything. They were so accommodating. It was it was honestly it was an amazing day, one of the best days ever. Uh, what's interesting about what you said at the start there was that some people advised you not to get into it, right? And and I think nowadays, particularly nowadays, because of covid and the pandemic and stuff the prize money has been terrible in british racing for for a long time and i hope that when we get out of this situation it's something that everyone can pull together and and try and improve because that is a factor as to why people would own horses but it's not the sole factor and in fact it's probably pretty low down on the priority list for a lot of people so what is it about that experience with your friends with your partners with your family that that gives you such a, a hook it, it captures you what is it that you've found about it that you've enjoyed so much it's, it's hard to explain i mean you can go to the races you can have a bet on a horse and it wins and it's a good feeling like don't get me wrong it's, it's a good feeling but when you have an interest in the horse and it's your horse and knowing that maybe after when it's finished retired it's retired you can have you can bring that horse home and look after it and care for it that's your horse and you watch that horse go from like a, a young horse to develop and win that race it is it is, a, it is an amazing feeling especially when you manages to win and you're with everyone and you've got such a, a big interest in it it's it's, it's the closest because i don't score many goals it's the closest i get to scoring a goal is watching a horse win a race and or get close to winning even when it's second or first as long as it's in with a chance like we were watching races we watch two or three races we had one in uber recently and and so we we jump up and out screaming the kids are Going mad, the dogs are screaming, and my little ones. We played Aston Villa the other day, and my young, my eldest one said to my wife, "Mummy, why don't you scream as much when? Why don't you shout and scream as much when Dave plays football as you do when you watch horse racing?" It's one of them things. That's so nice to hear. Now I know from spending a lot of mornings on gallops that it doesn't always go according to plan. Someone told me a bird flew into your car. Oh Once yeah, at Mick Shannon's. <laughs> yeah, we were we were looking to. We were, we were and looking hang on, to, and by someone I mean you. <laughs> we were looking to get a horse with um, Mick, Mick Shannon at the time because 
if we were in Southampton, he'd fall in with to, to Swansea. And obviously he's a legend there. He's got his got his yard close by and stuff. So we've gone we got him they you know, they got the old Freelander or the defender Jeeps that they drove they rag around all the the yard, don't they? So we're driving around and um Mick Jr.'s in driving and Mick's Mick's in the passenger seat. And he's gone by a hedge and a and a, a little bird flew in through the window. There's only one window open. It hit my son right in the side of his head. But he was crying his eyes out. Like the bird was flying around his car, like. And it, honestly, it was it was traumatic for my son. Like it was it was a funny moment, but only funny when the bird managed to fly out the car, which is uh, which is a bit. Funny. But yeah, that was um, that was eventful. I mean, I, we didn't actually get a horse in Mick, which I end up feeling quite bad about. It was just circumstances, really. And yeah, circumstances. <laughs> circumstances with a bird that the KO'd your son, mate. I wouldn't be buying a horse for him at Bless him. He was, he was crying his eyes out, man. It's uh, it's great to hear your enthusiasm for the sport, and it's certainly great to hear that it didn't waver after a bird nearly KO'd your son, as Charlie said. And uh, I'm sorry <laughs> yeah. for laughing at that Do story. Apologize. Initially. No, I hope, I'm glad your son is. I'm glad your your son is is a one. Uh, that's half time in studs up. Um, brought to you by Oddschecker and Sky, but there's still so much more to come, including we'll get Jack's anti post selection uh, as our latest guest on studs up for the Cheltenham Festival. We'll give you. Uh, Chaz and mine sky bet double ahead of this weekend's racing, which is very much open to the weather at the moment. Uh, and of course, we'll discuss all the latest news in the world of football and racing. But as it's half time, that means the whistle's gone and it's time for Charlie's rant. Right, chaps. This week, my rant is all about Harry Kane. My rant is Harry Kane needs to leave Tottenham to win trophies. They are miles off it, Tottenham, to win the league or to win any trophy. Although they are in the final against Manchester City, they are 5-2 to two to win a domestic treble. Who have to even win four. Tottenham won't beat Man City in the Carabao Cup. What does he, what does he decide to do? Beat Jimmy Greaves' record at Tottenham? Go, run Alan Shearer close in the Premier League? He should move on and win trophies with other football clubs. Do you think, though, Chaz, that... There's something to be said for loyalty in football and it doesn't happen as much as it did in the old days. Do you think that it's admirable if he stays at Tottenham throughout his career? Yeah, for Tottenham it is. For Tottenham it is, not for not for others. Look, Shearer went to had the chance to go to Man United and didn't he went to Newcastle and, and look what he'd done for his career and scored scored goals, but didn't win trophies, unfortunately. Teddy Sheringham had to leave Tottenham to go to Man United to win trophies. And then he went back to Tottenham. Just for me, I feel, what does he want to look at the end of the season? To He wants to see in his trophy cabinet, not just golden boots. He wants to t- see team accolades. And I feel like he needs to leave Tottenham to achieve that. Do you think he should go abroad or stay in the Premier League? I don't know. The Listen, he's going to cost a big, big money. But the money is, is what it is. And, and you're going to have to pay that to get Harry Kane out. Was it 150 or, or something like that? Which is a lot of money. But what he brings, he's England captain. He's going to score goals for you. But I just feel... I truly believe for him to go on to the next level of winning trophies he needs to leave Tottenham and as a star striker yourself Chaz do you think that Harry Kane would be an automatic name on any team sheet in any club around the world of course yeah I said I think I said last year he's the best finisher I think in the world I do believe that you are you have Messi and Cristiano Ronaldo Lewandowski but he's definitely in there in the in the top five Harry Kane he is deadly Jack, have you played against him? Just how good is, is Kane, in your opinion? Is he, is he like Chaz says, a, a player that would get into any team in the world? 
Yeah, I, I think he gets into any any team in the world at the minute. There's there's not loads of natural number nines like him that can do everything, head it, hold it, score. And yeah, I, I think he's, he's he's scored he scored an amazing goal from, against us. The same goal, the same game when Son scored a goal from the heart from his own half. Something like that. he scored one from about forty yards against us. And I think I think he's got everything. I think he could if he stays at Tottenham, he'll beat Alan Shearer's record. Which is an achievement in itself, and if he leaves, then he'll win trophies. It's, it's his, it's, I think it'll be his choice whether he wants to do that. Was that the goal that Sun scored that won the Puskas Award? Yeah, it was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> did Did you think at the time that is just incredible what he's done, or were you surprised that that was the best goal in the world that year? Well, it was just it was just slow. Just everything was just slow. I was just in the middle, and he got around one person. <laughs> And he, he got around another and another. And I was thinking, oh, my God, I'm going to have to get in here. I'm going to have to, I'm going to, have to get across because normally I wouldn't have to get across that far because someone would have tackled him. But he got two. And then I thought, I'm going to have to run here. But by the time I decided to run, it was too late because he's far. He's really fast. So they beat Eric on his neck touch and scored. And it was a great, it was an amazing goal. Don't get me wrong, it was amazing. But it, we should, it was very bad defending from us. We, shouldn't, we, sh- we, we should not have allowed that to happen here. <laughs> Well, thanks for your latest rant, Chaz. Um, Harry Kane should move on to win trophies, to sum it up. Uh, we're going to kick off the second half, though, with a new feature on Studs Up this week, where we're going to ask our guest to score a Studs Up hat-trick by, asking, by answering three questions. And we'll ask the, the guests the same questions each week, because I th- I'm sure there'll be some amazing stories within these three questions. But the first um, question we're going to ask our guest is, who was Jack Cork the biggest influence on your career? I've got. I've had a few actually. This is probably my dad. Obviously, is the easy one because he played at a good level, won the FA Cup. When you're looking at managers, we had to look at Brendan Rodgers. Had me as a youth team manager. Pochettino was amazing. And players-wise, like I said, touched on Frank Lampard. And one one player. I don't know how Chad's got on with him, but Jose Fonte at Southampton. I remember the first day I turned up. We played a friendly game. He said, "Oh, we're gonna we're gonna play we're gonna play in Europe." And they'd just been promoted from League One. They'd just been promoted from League One, and I was even thinking, no chance. We're not. We're not going to get get up this season. Play in the Premier League and then qualify for Europe. We ended up coming second. We got promoted that season. Next season we did okay. And the season after that we were in Europe. And I remember thinking, how did he? How did he say that at Championship level? A team that just been promoted from League One, and he just had that drive to, no matter what he was going to play, he was always going to be the best. He was going to be the leader, and and he's not stopped doing that. He he then won the Euros with. Portugal like 34 and now he, he went to China came back then he's top of league league one in 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 France now with Lille and stuff like that and he's just got that drive and determination to say no matter what age and what state I'm in I'm going to try and always play and be the best I can yeah Corky I've got to agree with you there mate Jose Font was an ultimate professional when he kind of like you say he won the Euros he was heart on his sleeve he run the club at Southampton and when he moved on it was it was obviously when it downloaded, but for him, mate, I thought he was top draw and he, listen, he's gone to have the great career he deserves. I remember just thinking when he turned 30 or 31 at Southampton, they weren't giving him a new deal. I thought his career is just going to peter out here now. He's going to maybe move down, move down, move down. And it just went up and up and up. And yeah, he's a great role model and professional. What about um, at any level you've played, be it international or whatever, uh, the best player you've ever played with or against? Um, I'd, I'd probably pick someone that I actually play with a lot. I mean, I could pick someone from Chelsea, one of the first team boys, or England, or, or GB. That, but I didn't really play with them consistently to see that. I mean, I feel like the best player that I played with personally was Adam Lallana at Southampton. I mean, they're not like 
and I'll go about Southampton a lot and people probably won't relate to it as much with San Jose for Adam, Adam Lallana, but Adam Lallana would, could make, it was like everything was slow motion. Everything, every turn he did, everything was easy for him. He'd, the only I used to worry so much because he used to do so much with the ball and take so many touches that someone would kick him. And yeah, I was glad when he got his move to Liverpool and he, he got England Player of the Year and stuff like that. And it's just a shame he got a few injuries at Liverpool because I feel like if he would have stayed fit, he could have been a, an amazing player for that football club. Chaz, what about you? As we're launching this, uh, I'll ask you who the best player you've played with or against is. Van Dijk, mate. I played Van Dijk 80 months. He was deadly, mate. And you almost could see he got to the to a platform at Southampton where it was too easy. But for him to go to the next level, he needed to he needed to move football club and to play with better players. I mean that respectfully, and Corky will understand that. But he'll move. He needs to go on and test himself. And then look, he's gone on to Liverpool and what he was there. 18 months, two and a half years. He's Champions League winner, third in the Ballon d'Or. He's won the Premier League. I mean, he was he was unreal. And the the third and final question. I think we've we've had the perfect hat trick. Have you ever scored a hat trick out of interest, Jack? Me, you've been lucky to get one. I have. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, well, you're about to score your first ever hat trick by answering this question there, because the final question in our studs up hat trick is. What's the most embarrassing moment of your career, be it on or off the pitch? Um, most, I, I, it's hard because I've not had the moment like we had Jason Punchin at, at Southampton once he ran off and had a toilet after through the second half, and he was just he came back on ten minutes later, almost in the toilet. Some of the time, I've not had a moment like that. And the most embarrassing things that I have are <laughs> relegations. I've got a relegation with Burnley, and that was that was horrible. That was embarrassing. It was disgusting, and I, I hated it. Or scoring an own goal, was that close? I can come to, to saying I'm embarrassed, but I did. Um, I did get embarrassed at horse racing once. If you want to hear that, yeah, definitely. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we went to York races. Me, Charlie Taylor, and and, and uh, Chris Wood. We went to uh, York. Carl Burt got some tickets for it, and and it was just a uh, just a. I can't remember what meet it was, but we got us owners and trainers badges. So we're in there. We're watching the racing, and 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 we were having a great day. We were, we were doing okay, and. And uh, all of a sudden, we were on the big screen outside the owners and trainers, and and it's uh, me, Charlie, and Chris on the and they're thinking, what are we doing? What are we doing up there? And all of a sudden, I see someone next to us, and I shouted, Gosden, like so loudly. And all I saw <laughs> was John Gosden looked to the side like that, out of disgust, so stern, and he just walked off out of the corner of the screen <laughs> like that. It was just after <laughs> Telecaster had beaten uh, Too Darn Hot as well, and I can imagine the mood he was in. Like, oh, honestly, it was, it was so embarrassing. It was John Gosden. He is not a man that you want to do that to. Either. He's a very, very stern man. That's fantastic. Thank you very much for taking part in our first ever Studs Up hat trick. We're going to talk about the latest football news now and um, plenty to talk about this week. Um, City roll on, 15 wins in a row, a record. Um, and they are, as Charlie alluded to earlier, very short to win the domestic treble now. Uh, a lot of the talk after the game, though, was about Phil Foden. And, and Jack, as a as a midfielder who has played in the Premier, Premier League this year against, I'm guessing, Foden, Mount, Madison, Grealish, everyone who's in that sort of England conversation, uh, looking forward to the to the Euros... Of all that batch and that crop of sort of young players coming through, who did who did you find the most difficult to play against, or who were you the most impressed by? Fuck, I've been impressed with all of them. To be honest, I I didn't 
I, honestly, at the start, I wasn't sure about Phil Foden. And I don't know what it was, but every time I played against him, and we played against him last season, he scored against us and was brilliant. Mason Mount, I played against him last week, and I was a similar sort of view. I wasn't sure how he could do it. He was brilliant. He was strong. He was fast. He was good on the ball. Took it in tight situations. Turned away from me a, a lot of occasions, and he, he looked after it so well. And Grealish, when we played against him, was was amazing. Like He flicked it over on the player's head, ran on the ball. And I think it's a very, very tough decision for Southgate to make looking at that position because there's a lot of players that are doing well at the minute. Chaz, you, I think, on Talk Sport picked out your team. Who would you who would you have in the midfield for, for England of that list? I'm, I'm playing Madison, Grealish and Foden, mate. And Mount is, is in my squad, but he just doesn't make my start in 11. Um, listen, they're all top, top players. And we need to grab this, this was the moment of attacking quality that we have and somehow fit them into the team. But for me, they would be the three out of the four that I would pick. And look, they all deserve their place in the squad. It's a, going to be a tough ask for, for Gareth Southgate to, to get this selection right. I read an article after the City-Liverpool game that said that a lot of the writers were saying he's a sort of generational talent. Do you think Foden is one of, if not the brightest stars coming through from from England that we've had in well, maybe arguably since Rooney, perhaps. Like Jack, would you say he's he's he is generational a generational talent? I don't know. It's, it's a big statement to make. England have had a lot of very very good players recently, and and and, and there's a lot of good good players out there. And I mean, what's I know he's nineteen twenty, but he's still only nineteen twenty or however old he is, and he's got a lot a lot to prove. But his form at the minute and what he's doing and the team he's in and the manager he's got at the minute, there's no way he can't become and grow into that role and gain confidence from doing that. I mean it's a, it's a it's a very it's a it's a big thing to put on someone's shoulders, especially at a young age. But he's got he's got everything that, that could take him there, definitely, yeah. Yeah, oh, listen, I agree, Jack, with you. Look, he's got everything there. But let's just square one thing up, Ollie. Go on. Don't start saying he can take it on his shoulders like Rooney, because he was unreal, mate. And I think now he's retired, he will get the respect. But don't start throwing his name around like like it's nothing. Mate. I was just quoting. Disagree with that. I was just quoting no. quoting articles I've read. But in but in all seriousness, he is he is being talked about in that in that category. There are managers yeah, and, and, t- and players that are saying that. Yeah, and okay, I get it. But let's not discard Rooney, mate. Come on, what he done was incredible. What he was performing week in week out. But what Jack, what you said there was interesting about expectation on young players' shoulders. And I think we as English football fans and the media are guilty when you look at. People, I'm sure you know Theo Walcott when he went to the World Cup at a really young age. I mean, you can list a host of players that have had that. As a young player, and you at various stages of your careers, would have had, you know, whispers, this guy's really good coming through, expectation on your shoulders, probably particularly being the son of a footballer, Jack. Does does it affect you that? Does it does it play on your mind when you go out and play as a young man? Yeah, I, I think it does, especially now in the age of social media where the, the kids want to be on social media. They want to... They see people saying how great they are and how good they're doing and stuff like that. And it is nice to see that because you've gone from having nothing to all this attention and it's great. But the media, especially in the, I don't know what it's like in other countries, this country, they will build you up and build you up and build you up to a point where it's not fashionable, it's not trendy to keep liking this one person that the, the next trendy thing you can do is knock that person down. And, and that, is the, that is the repeat process in, in British football at the minute. They want to build you up. And as soon as you do something wrong, they will they will knock you down. You just got to be ready that at some stage you will get some bad press and you will get negative reviews, and you just got to be know that you're going to have to be ready to take that. Well, the other thing that's actually happened in the uh, in the football world 
recently is that the 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 different factions and organizations have actually clubbed together with regards to social media because we've seen some awful things sent Mike Dean's way in in light of of his refereeing performances in the last couple of weeks and the 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 letter that has been sent to heads of Facebooks, Twitters, etc you know, the big names in these social media companies is saying that something needs to be done to protect players and officials from vile abuse that is sent their way. In your experience, Jack, as a player, how bad is the abuse that you would receive on, say, the back of a loss? Yeah, well, I, I, I'm, I'm, I don't, not that I'm, I'm not lucky enough to play for a big club, but the stuff that, that I have to part with and stuff like that is it's tiny compared to what these big players have to deal with. No, it's the back of newspapers, isn't it? Twitter on Instagram is on all these big sites. If he doesn't see it, his mum will see it, or his sister will see it, or his his daughter in some cases might see it, and it's it's, it's horrible. I don't know how people can get away with saying some of the vile stuff they say, and there's no consequences. It's 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 I don't know. It's something needs to be done, but it's hard because if you start trying to censor certain social media outlets, then they'll sort of lose lose all the all the people that have subscribed, and then there will just be another social media outlet that opens up that that doesn't require the identification or some of that. And then everyone will just move to that. So there's no consequences for what they say. It's just a, I'm not sure how to deal with it. It's, it's, it's a new thing that's come along quickly and then a lot of people aren't ready for it. No, and you are right, Cookie. Like you say, we haven't been ready for it, but it's it's not been quiet. Listen, everybody is involved in as a social media platform in some way, whether it's Twitter, whether it's Facebook, whether it's Instagram, someone does have that. Not that you open yourself up, not at all, because you should never receive the vile abuse, death threats, racial discrimination. That, listen, ultimately, yes, we are footballers, but we are human beings. Like the way you talk to each other, I mean, come on. It's just you're hiding behind a screen. It's embarrassing. Have you ever these, these, Have you ever had anything death threats sent your way, Chaz, or anything? To... Not, not death threats. Not death threats. When I was at QPR the first time with our... A nine-year-old girl, when she was only two at the time, I received a couple of stupid ones. People saying they're going to come to my house and or go to like a nursery and that and, and take her. I was just like, fuck off. No, you're not. But yeah, because it obviously got to me. Do you know what I mean? I was only about 23, 24 at the time. Got to me. And then only until I put it out on Twitter, like quoted the tweet, retweeted it and replied that a lot of the people got onto it and realised it. Which, do you know what it was? It was like two 17, 18-year-olds just being ridiculous but these social medias give these people the platform to basically say what they like and it needs to be prevented it does it needs to stop because you are hurting human beings we are human beings everybody's there there's no need for it and and the th- the thing about referees look obviously i'm sure you've had games where a referee hasn't had a good performance and what have you but a lot of the time, we, we always say we quite want our referees when we watch games to have personality. Then one like Mike Dean comes along, who has got personality, he's slightly more unique than the others. And then, and then they criticise him for that. I don't know whether Mike Dean's refereed any of your games, Jack, but is he a, is he a ref that you, you enjoy refing your games because he brings a bit of personality to it? <laughs> yeah, I, I like Mike Dean. I like him a lot. I, I do think he's, he's a bit theatrical and stuff like that, but it's, it's funny, isn't it? It's good. Like, I've had... I've had games where when you are frustrated with referees, it's hard to not swear or not say certain things. And, and sometimes some referees, not that they're like arrogant, but they give you a, a reaction that is not sympathetic with how you're feeling and it just makes you angrier. <laughs> and I know they're doing the job, but I, it, is, it is very difficult when you're not brought up in sort of a rugby sort of atmosphere where you're so respectful of the referee and people are doing it. I, I, we, we, I think sometimes it can get a little bit too out of hand, but 
it's hard to control your emotions and because you can see certain people have influence over the referees when they talk to them and it just gets more frustrating that when you try and do it and you don't get something back it, it, it can be hard yeah that would absolutely fry me i'd hate that when you see like um someone getting beneficial treatment perhaps but um look to draw a line under that any abuse racial discrimination discrimination of any form is something that we on studs up uh, wholeheartedly disapprove of and i hope that that letter has positive uh, reaction to the powers that be Uh, let's move on, though, to the latest racing news. Chaz, Dublin Racing Festival last weekend. Boy, we saw some good horses there, didn't we? Poor, mate. Big, big time. Honeysuckle, how impressive. Do you know what I mean? Honestly, chuck the name straight in the hat to go to the champion hurdle. You're talking Monkfish, Chacon Poussoir, put it right up. The only thing you're looking at is now is you're, you're out of your thinking, what's what's going on here? Um, can I just, can I just interrupt you very quickly? Because Chacon Poussoir was shades of Joey Barton in Marseille, mate. What was that? What was that accent you just went with there? <laughs> Chacan Poussoir. That's it. Poussoir. Poussoir. <laughs> there we go. That's better. Poussoir. I'll I I, I tell you one thing what I ain't doing, mate. I'm not pronouncing your daily, your uh, your double from last week. What was the name of that one? Enerjanine. Enerjanine. Yeah, that one. He Top was... draw. Tony Bloom's got another, another very, very good horse in, in, in his hands there. Do you, do you think um, do you think Honeysuckle wins the champion hurdle in light of what you saw in Ireland? Going off what Epitant had done beforehand, do you know what I mean? Although she's been injured, yeah, I, I think so. I was there when she won the mayor's hurdle against Benny Benny Didu. Mm, yeah, yeah, you're not gonna. <laughs> no, I mean that's <laughs> completely incorrect. But you've you've sort of given me the content that I need already, so I'm not going to drag it out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So yeah, that day, and I just thought. I just thought, go on, do you know what? She's she's the real deal. Been unbeaten. Listen, she'll go there and she she should be the rightly favourite. And I think from from that weekend, Enerjanim, I think, is a serious, serious threat to Shishkin. And I think some people in England just think Shishkin's a nap, but Enerjanim is proper. The time he clocked from the last to the line was better than Shakan Poursois. It was phenomenal. And that horse is is mustard. You've got also in there, um, Enojanim, as I mentioned, but then you've also got Kill Cruet, who won the bumper. And I don't think, I don't know whether you saw it, Jack, but I've never seen a horse win a bumper as impressively as that at any level. Yeah, it, it looked easy for him, didn't it? It was just, it was just a, a good race for him. And yeah, like you, I, I was going to say that horse is my nap. Actually, it was, it was just impressive. And I know it's got. It's, I was looking at the champion bumper odds, and I think Gordon Elliott's got a good horse. Is it plus? Is it what's the what's the horse? Is it plus tard? Is that the second favourite? Yeah. The way it did it on the, on the other day, hopefully it's um, an beaten of it, yeah. Was the, the horse uh, in the bumper, Sir Gerard, I think, was the, the horse you were referring no, to, Jack? It. But anyway, we'll get to your... Ant- yeah, Aplutard's in the Gold Cup, but Sir Gerard's the horse in the, in the bumper that's taking was, on Kill Crew. Is it So we'll... Aplutard, yeah. We'll give you... Aplutard, I was going to say we'll stay on at we'll stay on at the end of the recording and have some French um, French pronunciation lessons, but but you've already been um, been here for about three hours, so we're, we're going to move on to to uh, to our latest uh, double, which is um, coming up this weekend. Um, but just before we do that, I just want to give a mention to Colin Tizard and his team because it's been an awful twelve months for the Tizards, and it was so good to see Native River, a former Gold Cup winner 
back with a bang in the Cotswold chase. And looking ahead to Cheltenham, which is what we do here on Studs Up, the Tizard Yard are hitting form, and it might be that they're a stable worth following over the next few weeks and months as we head to Cheltenham. One thing we don't know about on the road to Cheltenham is whether we will have racing from Newbury and Warwick. And by the time you listen or watch this, I'm sure that a decision will be made. It's unlikely. So for our double this week, uh, we're going to look to the all-weather, which we're almost certain is going to go ahead at Lingfield. And we can either go £20 win or £10 each way. Or each way. And last week, we hit the crossbar. We had a win and a runner-up. But this week, Chaz, I think we're going to go uh, one better, aren't we? What have you got for us? I'm going for, in the 125 at Lingfield. I'm going for Mummy Bear of Richard Hannon and Ryan Moore. Uh, hopefully, she can get her head in front and, and win because let's hit the crossbar last time and come second. But hopefully, this time Saturday, we can knock it in the back of the net. Um, my selection is in the 11.45 at Lingfield on Saturday, and the horse is called Muhariba, trained by John Gosden, Jack's mate, and ridden by a young man who has got a massive future. He's a jockey that I'm, sh- <laughs> that I'm sure Jack will be looking to ride some of his horses in years to come. His name is Buenoir de la Sayette, and he's a £7 claimer. And it's the first time John Gosden's had an apprentice in the yard for, I think, 29 years, which gives you a sign of this young man's talents. His father was a jockey. He's made a, a huge start to his career. And he rode Mohariba to victory last time out. And I think he can follow up. So Mohariba in the 11.45 at Lingfield for me. And it is uh, Mummy Bear in the 125 for Lingfield at Lingfield for Chaz. And you can find mine and Chaz's racing selections for this weekend on Skybet. Just head to the specials tab in the horse racing markets and then it'll be under studs up. And normally at this stage, I let the listeners and watchers know of Skybet's weekend offers, but at this stage with racing in doubt at Newbury and Warwick, they're unconfirmed. So instead, keep an eye on Skybet Twitter for updates. They'll let us know and you know uh, as and when their money back specials will be up and running for this weekend. So I know I sort of prematurely announced your Cheltenham anti-post selection, Jack, but just reiterate it for us. Who's it going to be? Yeah, I was going to go for Kilcruet in the, in, the, in the champion bumper. I think uh, the way he did it on, on the weekend was really impressive. And yeah, no reason why he can't do it at Cheltenham. So, um, so just to reiterate, for those that are new to the, the, the podcast uh, this week, uh, Ali McCoy, our first guest on Studs Up, went for Royal Pagai in the Gold Cup. Charlie Adam had two, Envoir Allen and Ascaria 10, and we've got Kilcruet to add to the studs up list uh, this weekend um, from Jack Cork. So Jack, thank you very much for that. Now I have to ask you one question before you go, because it is a double game week in fantasy premier league for Burnley this week. Should our listeners be putting Jack Cork in their fantasy teams? To score goals. <laughs> to, to, to do something. Yeah, I, I, I want, I, well, listen, we've got three big games coming up. We, we need the points. We, we need to win. And historically we have done well against teams in and around us over the last four years. So I think a Burnley a Burnley striker to score or a or a Burnley defender to keep a clean sheet would, would be a great shout for your for your fantasy team. I heard Patrick Bamford say that he was fuming that he took himself off captain that day that he had a good game. Chaz, do all the players get involved in, in fantasy Premier League like all of us up and down the country? Yeah, of course. Just a bit of banter, isn't it? I think I'm in a couple of couple of leagues um, with the West Brom lads and with a few of the Southampton old boys and that. Um, lads love it. A bit of a uh, bit of banter going on. Trust me, it's all about getting the triple captain right. If you get your captain, triple captain right, you're laughing, mate. Uh, Chaz, did you put yourself in when at the start of the season when you were playing for West Brom? You bell. I was on the bench every week. <laughs> I didn't know whether you, you you were sort of <laughs> hoping. I don't know. Do you know what the one question I actually had to ask about that? 
and it's something Jack said earlier, and before we wrap up, just one question. You know how you were talking about when you were playing for England, right? And you were warming up and you were sort of trying to grab the, the manager, manager's attention. I've seen lots of memes that have gone out of players like trying to catch the manager's eye. Does that happen in football when you're like stretching in front of the manager and being a bit nearer to the dugout to try and get their attention? Yeah, I, I, I don't know if it works because I've not been a manager, but yeah, you can you warm up and down, up and down. And you can see them. You can see, every now and again they look over, see who's, who's doing stuff, and you can see if they're they're looking. Your the eyes light up a little bit if you're going to come on, and then they turn back around. And you do, or sometimes they shout, and you go out to run, and it's for the person behind you, and you're like, oh, they come which is awkward. Chaz, I didn't know whether you would have been sort of stretching in front of Slavan Bilic at, at the start of the year to, if you were in the fantasy team to try and get on. No, and I do like you how you're trying to get out of this, but I was trying to stretch on a Saturday morning at the training ground, unfortunately, because I wasn't even involved in the squad, Mr. Bell. <laughs> I, 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 Shove I, your question. That, okay, sorry. Okay, we'll, what we'll do is we'll call it one all because of all the talk sport headlines you've given. Let's call it one all, a clean slate Correct. moving forward after episode three, because I have to say, and allow me just 10 seconds, probably a bit more, just to say... Just what an unbelievable guest you've been, Jack. Not only during the episode, but what you did for us beforehand. It won't mean anything to the listeners or the viewers, really, because they weren't here involved in it. But you spent an hour and 45 minutes minimum trying to get your internet to work, trying to get set up so we could hear these incredible stories and your passion for racing. And I'm sure I speak on behalf of all of our listeners and our viewers and say thank you so, so much because you are, as I said, the nicest man in football. And it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you this evening. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It's been it's been a it's been a good laugh and it's been good fun, even though it was slow at the start. It's been, been good. <laughs> it's been eventful. We got that. We got there in the end, mate. We got there in the end. Honestly, Corky, thank you very much, mate. You pulled up trees to to get this uh, episode done. Thank you very much, mate. I do appreciate it. Yeah, what a man, Jack Cork is, Chaz, ladies and gentlemen. Is talking, Chaz, huh? <laughs> I know, I'll tell you mate. what, Jack. Before I go, he's got a big future in this game, doesn't he? Yeah, he's loving it. It's, it's like when you know you read your kid a book and your facial expressions change and you, the tone of voice goes up a certain way. He's so used to it. He's, he's doing well. <laughs> Good. Cheers, mate. What it's, a guy. It's been an absolute pleasure. What a man. Yeah, very well said. And ladies and gentlemen who are listening to this, please go out. And if you're not a Burnley fan, I hope that this might have um, led you down the Burnley path and you'll be cheering Jack Cork on in matches in the near future. Yes. Maybe buy a, a Cork shirt for the kids uh, during lockdown. Yeah. Uh, He's been an absolute star. Thank you so much um, to Chaz, as always. Thanks, Chaz. You are good at this, aren't you? Cheers. You're enjoying it, I hope. Cheers, Matt. I'm yeah, I am enjoying it. I'm getting uh, getting down here. Obviously, I've, I've done the other stuff early on in the week. Won't mention that because you've done it a couple <laughs> of times. But certainly getting the hang of it. Really enjoying it, mate. Look, every week is, uh, is eventful. A bump in the road. But as always, a great duo. Get over that hump and just keep on going, mate. And that is what we will continue to do for this great podcast, Studs Up. Well said. We're here every Friday. If you like what you've heard or watched, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or in the comments section on YouTube. Thanks for joining us. A massive thanks once again to Jack Court. We'll be back same time, same place next week. Thanks for watching and, um, and good luck with the racing over the weekend. Hold up. 